Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Top Docs Radio. Brought to you by Hyperbaric Physicians of Georgia, a comprehensive wound resolution and UHMS accredited hyperbaric medicine practice with four offices to serve you. Find us on the web at www.hbomdga.com. Facebook and Twitter at HBOMDGA. Good afternoon, everyone. It's C.W. Hall, your host here on Top Docs Radio. Thanks for making us a part of your afternoon again today. From wherever you may be listening, you may not know this, but we've been listened to in, last count, 46 states. Come on, Vermont, South South Dakota, North Dakota, and Wyoming. You all need to get on board. But 50 countries have checked us out, so uh, we are global. And we're very pleased to have you checking out our show today. I'm joined in the studio by Justin Knott of Entropy. Hello, you can see everybody. He's joined us on the show in the past. Uh, they do some marketing work for physician practice here locally, and uh, we're happy to have him on. And he introduced us to today's guest, Dr. Rolf, Rolf Meinhold of MDVIP, and uh, he's a, a family practice physician here in the Alpharetta area around uh, North Atlanta. So uh, thanks for taking some time out of the office to come and share about your practice. Well, I'm glad to be here. Thank you. And uh, so... Take me a little. Take me through your background, Doctor Meinhold. Um, you know, kind of, how did you get into medicine, and uh, you know, we'll kind of build our way up to uh, where you are now with MDVIP. Well, I'm a second generation family physician. I grew up in Southern California, and after college at Occidental College, I was um, blessed to um, be admitted to Vanderbilt Medical School. I went there from '80 80 to '84. And uh, there they, they taught me an incredible attention to detail as, as well as how to become somewhat obsessive, which is perfectly in line <laughs> with my uh, German heritage. So um, uh, after that was residency for three years in uh, Newport News, Virginia with a Medical College of Virginia program. And um, then came down in 1987 to the Atlanta area. The last 20 years I've been in practice in Alpharetta and have enjoyed uh, uh, providing care to people up in that area. Well, being here that long has given you the chance to really see this city change. I mean, the drive for you into town and out of town is uh, a little different now than when you first got here. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's, been, uh, it's been pretty amazing how this town has, has grown up and what was rural at one time. In fact, my area used to be a cow farm, but certainly is yeah. not that anymore. That's right. I, the, the place where my house is was, uh, was a cattle farm, actually, out on the west side of town in Mableton. But uh, family medicine, what, what took you down that road? Um, you know, it's, it's uh, kind of the hub of the wheel. You have to know something about, about just about everything, really, to be able to do a good job for your patients. So what, what took you into that path? Well, um, you know, Vanderbilt was an excellent school, but they, they certainly are very specialty-oriented. Um, and it wasn't, uh, if it wouldn't have been for my father, I would not have gone into family medicine. Um, it was a pretty unique o- opportunity to grow up in a home of uh, a family physician. Um, before the, all the HIPAA guidelines and the Privacy Acts and things like that, I used to go on rounds with my dad uh, to nursing homes, to hospitals, as well as to um, house calls, if you remember back to those days. They're coming back, if you wouldn't you know, would be surprised. It's, uh, house calls are coming back. Well, that's actually one of the things that I do and provide in my practice. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Um, but um, what I noticed when my father would take me was that he, there was a great deal of value in the relationships that he had with, with people, with nurses, with staff, with patients. 
Um, and uh, they all really adored my dad. And, and I looked at that and I said, wow, I'd like to be that well-liked mm-hmm. <laughs> as well. So, um, you know, um, he was a very kind and generous man, a great role model. Um, he also appreciated being there where people needed him to be. And, um, and I, um, I love to see him in that, in that position. Um, he delivered a wide variety of care, which um, went across many different areas of medicine. And so as I was looking at the different areas that I could be specializing in, I realized that um, I'm the kind of guy that likes to go from a room with a sick child to the next room dealing with an elderly person with grief and depression to the next patient who may be struggling with their hypertension. And and you get to have... a relationship with the entire family in many cases, as you describe, it might be a young person, it might be an older person, and you're going to be spending, you know, much if not all of your patient's life with them. How, how cool is that? And that's kind of unique in, 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 a, in a way to the primary care physician. Well, some of my patients, it is, absolutely. And some of my patients who uh, um, I started taking care of at two and three years old are, are now having families uh, of their own. And uh, certainly that has been a, a wonderful uh, thing to be able to, to do to be part of these people's lives. Now, from what I understand, you, you, you practice tr- what we call traditional primary care and family practice medicine for obviously a, a number of years. And then a few years ago, you linked up with MDVIP. They're a personalized healthcare program. Tell me a little bit about that. How is that kind of changing the experience with the physician? Well, um, first, let me just uh, address something because I, I think it's important for um, the general public to realize that uh, even though technology has increased um, and improved by by leaps and bounds, um, despite that hype and, and glitz, um, I think it has replaced the value of relationships in, in medical care. So, so what has happened is that um, we've had to um, increase the volume of patients that we see, yeah. and that sacrifices, in my opinion, one of the major parts of what makes this a valuable and wonderful thing, a relationship uh, with our patients. Um, government regulations, uh, as well as insurance companies, and even electronic medical recording have, have posed mm-hmm. barriers to the kind of care that uh, physicians really want to deliver uh, to their patients. As it relates to the technology side of things, I think that um, I, in the end, I think it's a good thing, um, though I agree with you that it has kind of, in, in, in many cases, set some barriers in place. One of the ones that I've really experienced myself firsthand um, is when the the provider's office is using a a I guess it was, it's kind of the more outdated model, if you will, that's based on a computer um, that's sitting, a desktop kind of computer. So the person who's talking to me, asking me just history questions, for example, they're not facing me. I'm looking at their back while they're typing on a, on a, on a computer. More of the current type models that are more cloud-based and so forth are using the, the tablets and things like that that actually let somebody sit and face you and, and not even really have to write too much. They can just lightly kind of tap very quickly and actually stay engaged. So I think that particularly in the last 
few years and the early iterations of the the EMR, I, I agree absolutely. I, I think that uh, we're only just now beginning to kind of swing towards that kind of more current, more modern uh, EMR that will kind of fix some of that and actually give those doctors like yourself the ability to keep that pace. You know, you, you're, you're not losing time on the on the data entry, you're actually able to give that time to the patient, so you're actually re- able to recapture that. But your model goes beyond that and actually allows you to do some very in-depth, lengthy engagements with a patient where you're really getting to know about their history, really taking a look at a variety of aspects of their life and spending a great deal of time, which clearly is at a premium in my traditional primary care office where they only get maybe five, ten minutes max. Exactly. So... Um Perhaps people are spending an hour, an hour and a half in the waiting room and then getting approximately five minutes with the medical assistant as the vital signs are being taken. Right. And so now you've got maybe five, uh, five to seven minutes with the physician. Now, if you've got one problem that's maybe okay, two problems, that's already two and a half minutes, three problems, you can see how that really becomes um, an issue. Uh, Patients will find that that's why their doctors tend to run well behind because yeah. we still want to deal yeah, with you got to take care what of the patient's yeah. needs are. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so um, I just I do want to um, address a term that is out there um, that uh, that is um, used to describe what I'm doing, right. um, specifically concierge right, and yeah. and boutique. Right. Okay. Um, I, I think those terms are. Uh, well, they're a little bit elitist, and and I think <laughs> I think we kind of need to get away from that because uh, you know even though we're smaller and unique and um, and attentive uh, to people's needs, we are in fact um, talking about value from a more personalized and preventative type of healthcare. And um, and what do you need for that? Well, you need time, and you're absolutely right. And uh, I wanted and I needed more time. That's why I decided to make to make this change. So how did that transition occur for you? Um, did Were you familiar with somebody that was already um, involved with MDVIP? Did they contact you to say, hey, we're looking for physicians like yourself to be a part of our group? How did, how did that transition happen for you? Well, it uh, that is sort of how it happened. I, I have an associate up in my area, a friend of my, my area, who had um, already converted his practice over to MDVIP. And and he told me that uh, the kind of care that he was able to deliver to patients was um, m- what he felt much more satisfying than, than what he had been able to do in the past. And uh, so he introduced me to uh, the people who, are, uh, who help in the transition of the practice. And as a result of that, we uh, decided in November of 2012 to make this decision, to make this change. Um, it took about six months to introduce my patients to this um, idea and allow those that decided to um, make this change with me to come with me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I turned my practice, the remainder of my practice, over to another physician because I certainly did not want to leave my other patients without an option. I see. We've been talking with Dr. Rolf Meinhold and Justin Knott of Entropy. They're a local um, 
physician and, and healthcare marketing firm, and and uh, Dr. Meinhold is a primary care physician in the Alpharetta area, and we've kind of been getting familiar with their personalized healthcare program that they offer through MDVIP. And <clears throat> one of the things that we've learned is the one of the benefits to this type of practice relationship that you have now is clearly being able to dedicate, uh, comparatively speaking, to the traditional practice physician a ton of time to your patients. And and that's in the office, which sounds like if I have an appointment um, with you, I'm probably not going to spend an hour or two sitting waiting. I got here on time, but I'm waiting for over an hour just to get back to the room where I can wait another 30, 45. Well, we have something that uh, could be defined uh, in in classical terms as a waiting room, but I like to call it the welcome salon (laughs) (laughs) at this point because uh, people do get taken back um, relatively quickly within the first five minutes of arriving, and if not earlier. And then uh, in general, they don't wait for me more than about 10 or 15 minutes at, at any one time. So. I would imagine that when the when you transitioned over to your new model and you had patients obviously out of your uh, out of your practice that went with you and wanted to stay with you and, and remain in your care, I, I can only imagine what their experience was like once you once you were able to kind of go you know what I mean? And actually, yeah. let's sit and talk about you. Um, I would imagine, I mean, can you share kind of some feedback that you got from the patients that had gotten to see what Dr. Meinhold in traditional practice right. was like in terms of your constraints, and well, then now that you're able to really interact with them? Well, actually, um, uh, I have a patient who uh, two months, two to three months after having made this transition, and she had known me for quite a while, she said to me, you know, it is so good to have the old Dr. Meinhold back again. And she didn't mean old by old. No, I know what you mean. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah, just kidding. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but no, she, uh, people tell me that I look younger, and um, certainly I'm very invigorated by the opportunity to, to have more time with my patients and as well as uh, being available to them 24 hours a day. You know, I don't mind being called. Uh, because I know my patients and my patients know me. And they know that if they need to ask me a question about something, then I'm there to answer those questions and possibly and probably help them uh, feel better about whatever they are concerned about. Now, I know that uh, a typical primary care practice usually has somewhere between 2,500 and maybe as many as 4,000 patients that they're responsible for you know, that are going to be seeing them sometimes throughout the course of the year. What's that look like for you and your MDVIP practice? Well, theoretically, we uh, because we do a, a C-suite, um, a corporate suite uh executive physical on all of our patients, we need to set aside enough time in a year to do, th- to deliver that kind of care. So we're really limited uh, by that to about 600 patients. But I would venture to say that uh, having that many patients is um, extremely um, difficult to maintain because people fall into basically um, three categories. They are either Uh, It's either going to be preventative care, Mm -hmm. it's going to be interventional care, or it's going to be ongoing care, okay? And so between, uh, well, the preventative care are wellness exams, of course, and then you've got interventional care and and, uh, ongoing care, which means that they need to see you in half an hour increments. We do set aside a half an hour for each patient, which is a a wonderful thing. Um, And so um, I 
currently have in the neighborhood of 380 patients, but uh, I could easily manage another 25 to 30 more. Mm-hmm. So, And being able to know that you're going to get to sit and speak with your physician for 30 minutes has got to be kind of a new experience for, oh, for yeah. most patients. Definitely. I, and I can imagine uh, dealing with physicians as, as much as we do and hearing from them, um, especially those ongoing care patients that you're referring to, the huge um, benefit for them, because like you said, it's it's one thing to get five minutes with your physician already, but when you have more than one problem, especially with the advancements in healthcare nowadays, it's very rare to see somebody in their 40s, 50s, 60s that are dealing with just one issue. I mean, with obesity can come heart issues and a lot of them will have diabetes issues. So there's just so many more things, these multiple morbidities, so to speak, that these patients really need a lot more hands-on care and the time to, the physician needs the time to really get that history side and that note-taking side that I think becomes so critical in in keeping these patients um, happy and healthy way, way into their later years. Absolutely. And now that my typing skills have finally caught up <laughs> with, with technology, yeah. I'm actually able to uh, get those notes down uh, in a Definitely. relatively Heck, timely Heck, with the new EMRs, you won't even have, you to be able, have to type anymore. You'll just t- type and tap, you know, just kind of point and click. Oh, yeah. right. you re- it's pre-populated nowadays drop down, with what you have to say. Drop down menus yeah. and things like that. You might that, have to type but... it one time and then the rest of the time it's there. Well, so, yeah, go ahead. I was going to ask you, I mean, in, in your experience, I mean, I know for us as a medical practice that I'm a part of uh, when I'm not here on the show, the, 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 the legislative landscape in the last year or two has certainly affected our practice. I mean, in primary care, in your own experience, and how has that kind of affected you in, in, in terms of the way you're able to deliver care? And, and I would assume that with this type of personalized healthcare program that you're offering, that I don't know if it insulates you from some of the negative changes that have, you know, kind of affected the medical community. It probably has enhanced your experience a little bit because it makes your kind of offering that much more, uh, I I guess, appealing to somebody who really wants to have a connection with a physician. Well, the the behind-the-scenes kind of issues are that we are – being graded, in a sense, right. by um, ish- by something called meaningful use, mm-hmm. which means that we have uh, someone has decided that there are certain um, uh, land issues that we have to address, which are oftentimes very appropriate. Um, the problem is that in a classical practice, it's very difficult to check all those boxes. Yeah. I saw a cartoon the other day with a physician who was sitting with a stack of charts on his desk and his computer terminal, and, and it said, um, well, if this whole doctor thing doesn't work out, I could become an accountant. <laughs> <laughs> That's about right nowadays. You oh, know, yeah. it is. got to check the right boxes. Um, so... Uh, so that has affected us, um, and that's the so the carrot is that we we do get some reimbursement for that based upon the fact that we spent more time to be able to deliver that kind of uh, meaningful use care. On the other hand, if you can't, uh, the stick is going to be that if you can't show that in the future, what's going to happen is that you'll be docked a certain amount of money by. CMS by um, Medicare, um, if if you are not on EMR, and if you're not uh, providing the kind of care that uh, that you have indicated in those or can indicate in those little boxes, so uh, it's. <laughs> 
it's uh now have you found um having uh i guess obviously some more time um and being a little bit more i guess from the patient side dealing with insurance is always a uh, joy uh to kind of be able to be more of i guess in a mediator and bastard to the insurance, so to speak, to the to the insurance, because like me myself, having you are on a medication or something, and now you have insurance, you have pre-authorizations and all these things. Or have you found that you've been able to um, help your patients a lot as far as on the insurance side as they're dealing with all of that, getting their medications, or or they need to be on something long term? What have you seen, kind of now being MD, with MDVIP? What have you been able to, I guess, offer a support to your patients? Well, that's a really good point because um, what we what we have found is that uh, whether it's purposeful or not, um, in- insurance companies are going to be questioning a lot of things that we that we do, the things that we prescribe. And if somebody switches from one insurance to another, right, uh, and now you've got a new pharmacy benefit manager, yep. you may have had a person on a particular medication, let's say, just say Nexium, for many, many years. And in fact, it goes back so far that you don't even know where the chart <laughs> indication is, why you right. decided yeah. to put them on a prescription, <laughs> mm-hmm. right. um, non-generic medication, but yet you're being asked on a regular basis to justify your uh, decision-making in, in that respect. Now, take a practice that sees 20 patients a day and 25 patients a day and um, put that kind of a burden on top of the physician that they have to justify maybe three out of those patients per day in terms of medications or even in terms of uh, decision-making for studies that need to need to be done. So um, having more time, yes, it does allow me to be an advocate for my patients. Um, another point that I'd like to make is that uh, we who, um, who have decided to go this direction also make it a priority to be able to stay in touch with our specialists um, that are in our communities so that if we do send a patient on Oftentimes, I'll pick up my cell phone in the room, I'll call the office up, and I'll say, I've got a patient, needs to be seen, these are the reasons, and uh, what can you do for me? And oftentimes, the patient can get in the, uh, can get in the next day uh, and be seen, or within a reasonable period of time to be seen, and that problem is then addressed. Now, is there any with um, obviously MDVIP being such a, a large organization, kind of like you said, with the specialty physicians um, from the patient side, kind of looking out if there was, uh, God forbid, um, a more significant ailment that they were struck with? Is there anything, I guess, kind of, of the benefit of having MDVIP behind you when you're going out there and trying to get them the care that they may need, say, for cancer or, or something uh, along those lines? Yes, actually, MDVIP has a relationship with a number of centers of excellence that specialize in anything from cancer to asthma to uh, diabetes, the Jocelyn Clinic down down in New Orleans. And um, if our patients are complex and if they do need a tertiary care center, of course, we've got Emory here, which is always great. But if there's something that they really want, uh, if they want some very specialized care, there's a whole group of people at MDVIP that can assist people in uh, getting the information to the right people at that particular 
location, as well as making the arrangements for people to stay at, at, those, uh, play, at those places. Now, when we talk about, you, you mentioned as, as we launched today, you, you introduced it kind of as concierge medicine, because I know that, that at least more recently, a lot of folks are becoming more and more familiar with it. I think with all the changes in healthcare, I think more physicians like you are looking for alternatives, and so are patients. They're looking for alternative ways to interface with their physicians because while in, in many ways we need the the presence of, of an intermediary like an insurance company, we're finding that there are opportunities to maybe do it a different way um, and not necessarily involve insurance. And, and so I know in the true concierge model, insurance is left out. They, the, the patients in that relationship, in, in most cases, not all, I, I spoke with a physician in Wichita who's been on the Hannity program a few times, actually. I interviewed him uh, on the phone um, asking him about his model. He's one that has that direct kind of a, if you, for lack of a better word, a membership type model with their patients. And he can do some work with insurance, but it's limited. Um, I know some local physicians that have a concierge model that's a membership-type program where the physician is available to the patient 24-7, and they don't work with insurance here. But you do. Your model is a little bit different. You work with Medicare or Medicaid or just in... Just Medicare. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you work well with both commercial insurance and Medicare. Correct. Mm-hmm. And so that's yeah. that's a little unique. So that, you know, in, in terms of... It's not pure concierge, and that's why the, I think MDVIP positions it as personalized healthcare program because you're you're getting more time, um, not only just in the office, but also um, being a part of this program allows me to also have access to my doctor 24-7, saving me many trips to urgent care, for example, things like that. Because you talked about before we went on that if I'm a, if I'm a family and that's seeing you, that if I have a younger child, that 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 doesn't cost me extra money to be seen. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. And, um, you know, we, um, what we do is, is we, all the children under the age of 26, I will see without, um, an, an extra fee, if you, if you will. Um, also, um, we, uh, you know, we do, um, like to say that we offer same day and next day appointments. I think the immediacy of, of being where you need to be when you need to be there mm-hmm. um, is is great. Um, the term concierge and boutique, um, I think it doesn't really get as deep into the um, into the issue as as I'd like to, as I as I think it should. You know. Um, uh, what we're talking about here, even though these practices are smaller, they're unique and, and very attentive to patients, um, we're talking about people's health care here. We're talking about something that is near and dear to people's heart. I mean, how, how important is the quality of your life? Okay, what, what are you willing to do in order to make sure that your quality of life is optimized? And that's what I have always been about. You know, quantity is fine. But quantity without quality is not so fine. So, um, so I concentrate on those areas. I concentrate on, on areas of sleep. Um, are you optimizing? What's your sleep hygiene like? Um, what is your nutrition like? What can we do because you have a weight issue? How can we put together a plan that will improve that? What is your exercise program like? Uh, you know, those kind of things. You know, how are your relationships with your other family members? What can we do about getting those better? These are all areas that are smaller, 
but no less important than what your hemoglobin A1C is. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and with that type of complex patient, say you know someone like you mentioned this now with di- diabetes, I would presume that with this kind of relationship where I have the ability to have some frequent contact with my physician, um, whether it's in the office or by some sort of text, phone, email, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. it would seem that it lends itself to a high level of patient compliance with regards to recommendations that you make uh, versus where I have limited contact with my physician. When I do, I've only seen them for a few minutes. Um, it would seem that my outcomes might be enhanced if I've got that kind of con- connectivity and engagement with my provider's office. Well, you say hi, I say higher. Um, it's not I, It's not necessarily ideal, but but yes, it, it is much better. Um, right. I've taken some of my patients who were previously with hemoglobin A1Cs that should be less than 7 if you have diabetes. I've taken, and they've been 11, 11.5, and I've been able to bring them down into that 7 to 8 range, and it's still a work in progress. But we celebrate the small victories, you know. Yeah. Um, it, it, there is a certain amount of um, accountability that they now have with their uh, physician. I think that uh, because, because people are investing monetarily and time-wise into their care a little bit more, that may in fact motivate them to do things that are better for them. Yeah, and and from my perspective, when you talk about that kind of thing, uh, that's why I believe it's important for someone to kind of contemplate the the long run uh, when they think about investing a little bit more money, as you're describing, in their in their state of health, is that they might be able to thwart some more serious events, more acute events. Um, perhaps delay changes in eyesight, for example, if you're a diabetic, or maybe the onset of neuropathy, if you, if you will, if you're engaged with a physician on this level, perhaps delay the onset of the cardiovascular disease that might come along with that just by being engaged on a heavy basis with a physician with regularity. One of the things that you talked about before we went on the show today was there are some advantages to being a, m- a member of MDVIP with a, one of their physicians that if I'm traveling, there's some benefits there. Um, there's some online resources that give me some access to my records and things like that. Can you talk about some of those things if I'm a patient? Oh, yes. Um, well, we have um, the ability to um, help. We have the ability to share with our patients their records through an EMR portal. Um, a number of practices, of course, um, set uh, set that up. Um we, um, we also have the ability to um, communicate with physicians on a nationwide basis if our patients are traveling and there's a physician in that local area, uh, then we can certainly uh, talk to those physicians and get the office to accept them similar to how we take care of our patients. So, you know, MDVIP has has your back in a sense. You know? And one of the things that you mentioned before we went on air, and uh, that if you want to talk about it, we can, um, was the fact that you're able to, for the business community in the area that has a group of employees, they would love to perhaps, uh, we all know very well, uh, if you watch the news at all in the last year or two, that my, uh, my health expense for my employees and my requirements as an employer have certainly expanded. So anything I can do to be able to provide good benefits to my employees, but yet 
<laughs> slow down the pace that that cost is accelerating and growing for me is, is valuable. So there's some opportunity for them to be able to interface with your practice and be able to provide an extra level of service for their patients that goes back to what we talked about earlier. They have great 24-7 access to their primary care physician. So who, you know, as you described, they're going to do a full gamut wellness uh, assessment on them that hopefully will begin to help that patient make better health choices, which will obviously be a great thing for their employee from just that personal perspective. But then, oh, by the way, that might also help reduce my my healthcare outlay as a company. Am I on the right track? Absolutely. Um, you know, to offer this uh, as a benefit, particularly uh, in the group of executives that are part of your uh, business is uh, is a wonderful way to offer something more than is generally out there. And I agree with you that I can't tell you how many times just screening people aggressively has made a difference in terms of um, finding something that needs to be addressed. So um, so I think that that, that is, is a, a f- phenomenal uh, opportunity, uh, business opportunity out there, uh, and uh, certainly MDVIP would be more than v- willing to talk with those business owners that are uh, wanting to make that as, as part of their benefit package. We've been talking with Dr. Rolf Meinhold and uh, Justin Knott of Entropy and uh, learning about uh, the, the personalized health program that they have through MDVIP. Um, if, if a business is listening um, and they want to participate in it, they just need to reach out to an MDVIP person through their website, I suppose, and that, that would help them kind of get interfaced with your, your practice? Well, they can certainly get in touch with, uh, with our office if they wanted to at uh, 770-772-9195, and we can certainly put them in touch with uh, MDVIP in order to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. One more thing that I wanted to mention is that, um, you know, People, hospitalizations are extremely expensive. And uh, one of the things that the general population doesn't realize is that when a patient is hospitalized and then is discharged from that hospital, if they bounce back within a certain period of time Mm -hmm. uh, because something has happened in their environment, then um, the, uh, the hospital is at a loss there. Uh, because they have to cover that whole cost. And what happens? Well, that cost gets shifted someplace else. Yep. Down the road, of course. Exactly. <laughs> and down the road. Yep. And we all know where the end of the road is. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> it's sitting right and, around the table here. Yep, there you go. And MDVIP <laughs> has shown that its physician population um, has been able to decrease those rehospitalizations by 70%. I'll give you an example. I have uh, a patient in her 80s who um, underwent a surgical procedure and and after about a month and a half, two months um, in the hospital, recovering from that, had to go on to a rehab facility. Again, a, an, about a month and a half after that, two months after that, she finally, finally gets home. I mean, she's desperate to get home. She finally gets home. And so I made a house call on her because, you know, I wanted to celebrate with her just as much as she wanted to celebrate being home. And um, in looking in on her, uh, it turns out that uh, she was running a low-grade fever. Uh, she was coughing productively, and she had crackles in her left lower lung field. She already had uh, a small established pneumonia. Now, that had probably come up relatively quickly. Yep. But I guarantee you that if she had had to go back into the hospital, 
that she probably would not have survived that. I mean, that, that is just, um, so I was able to initiate breathing treatments, antibiotics, oral antibiotics early on. We had home health that was already involved, but I had them even more involved. And then I went back later on in the week to do another house call and listen to her lungs, and she, in fact, turned it around. She's been home ever since, so... Here now, we are in 2015, our doctor's coming to see us now. Yeah, and that's what I was going to kind of, um, what CBW brought up uh, at the very beginning is how it's been interesting to see the house call has kind of made a full circle, and I wanted to ask uh, Dr. Meinhold, uh, so if you have, say, um, a couple out there and they have uh, a parent that's aging, like for me, for instance, I have a grandparent that's um, going to be 101 this year. She's in great health, but um, her eyesight, but... As far as the, um, some of those people that are listening, that this may be uh, a good fit for one of their parents or grandparents, um, but maybe they're in a senior living facility or they have some trouble getting out and about, kind of like you said, um, are you able with ha- now having a little bit more time on your hand to, to kind of go see them where they're at? Uh, if sometimes it's a little difficult for them to get out or, or kind of like you mentioned, I thought it was pretty cool if they're at the hospital and and you're able to kind of swing by. Uh, what have you kind of noticed as far as being able to, I guess, accommodate those people? Would it be a good fit for them as well? Well, I've certainly had the time to look in on my patients at the hospital. I've been using hospitalists because I right. uh, since early 2000, and that's just because it's a very efficient and and uh, way to use um, our healthcare system. Right. Um, on the other hand, uh, people just feel better when their doctor comes by to, to look in on them. And I call those howdy rounds. So, <laughs> yeah. so, um, so I do that on a, uh, on a regular basis. Uh, in addition to that, um, the, the patients who are in um, an environment like an assisted living facility or a um, independent living facility, uh, I, have the opportunity to come by and see them. I, I do like to get them into my office at least once or twice a year just to get a good baseline study on them, do the wellness examination, which gives me just a great um, uh, baseline on, on where their health care is. Um, the other day I had a patient that I started with at 3.30. Uh, he was, she was brought in by his, his daughter. And uh, I spent uh, really an hour and a half to two hours just putting all of his health care together and really unifying that mm-hmm. because up That's until excellent. that point, it had been somewhat, you know, it had been somewhat fragmented, I guess you would say. So um, getting a team together, patient just been moved from out of state, getting a team together to really um, address what this patient's immediate and long-term needs were was very satisfying. I'm relatively young. I'm pretty healthy. Why do I need a primary care doctor? Well, everybody needs a primary care doctor. The question is whether you need me. <laughs> but um, I would say that time is time is a very precious thing. You know, we we um, um, it it's it time is money to you. Time is money to me. Okay, and um, if you have to spend an hour or two in a doctor's office, and and you're a busy guy, and you can only look over so many emails in in the doctor's waiting room. Yeah. Um, then um, and s- still maybe not get your issues addressed like you wanted them to be addressed. I think this is a very efficient way to get your care done. Get in, get out, get taken care of. And then you know what? If it doesn't work out three or four days later, give the doctor a call on the phone. Tell him what's going on. 
he'll answer the phone and uh, and address your your needs. So. Anything that we haven't gotten out there for folks to know either about your particular practice or as it relates to your part as the uh, member of the MDVIP group of physicians? I don't think so. I think we've covered pretty much all the bases, and uh, I just appreciate the opportunity to to come on uh, your program and and to perhaps dispel a few myths about uh, what we do and 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 why we do it. So, well, it's been a treat having uh, Dr. Rolf Meinhold and, of course, Justin Knott, one yeah, of our it as uh, always. one of our friends we've known through the show, um, join us here on the on the program today. If you're listening and you would have an interest in learning more about Dr. Meinhold's practice, you can find information about him at MeinholdFamilyPractice.com. That's M-E-I-N. H-O-L-D, familypractice.com, all one word. And then, of course, if you're interested in learning more about the MDVIP program, you can certainly go to their website. It's got a, a bunch of information there in terms of a, what what do you get as a member of the MDVIP program. That's mdvip.com. Um, and, uh, of course, uh, they'll be uh, on the social media as well. We'll link in with all of those folks so you can get information about them there. Um, if you want to see Dr. Meinhold's uh, biography on MDVIP, you can go to mdvip.com slash Rolf, R-O-L-F, Meinhold, M-E-I-N-H-O-L-D, M-D, all one word, mdvip.com slash Rolf, Meinhold, M-D. What about you, Justin? Anything else that we need to get out there for you? Oh, I'm good. I uh, enjoy it as always. Thanks for having me on. Well, it was uh, a pleasure getting to meet Dr. Meinhold. Thanks for introducing us. Um, and well, Dr. Meinhold, I'll try to get you back to your practice. I know you got patients that are hoping to uh, be seeing you, so uh, uh, we appreciate you coming by to share some information about your practice and, of course, about the MDVIP personalized healthcare model that they're offering to uh, folks in the community as well. So um, uh, much appreciated getting your information out there. And so if you've been listening to us today, we want to say thank you very much wherever you've been listening. We hope you turn around and uh, share it with your social media networks because I can assure you the information information that we share here, uh, introducing you uh, to the healthcare professionals that we do is going to help somebody that uh, that you care about um, and uh, it's going to make a difference in their life. And so we hope you uh, take us up on the opportunity to do that. So uh, make an appointment to see us next Tuesday afternoon at 2.30 in the, in the afternoon or download us on the podcast uh, whenever it's convenient for you. So uh, we'll see you then. Same time, same place. 